everybody. My name is Scott Holstein, Director of Marketing and Business Development for CompuTrolls, and this is the Building Technology Podcast, where we talk about all things smart buildings. Today, I'm joined by Lucas Dixon of PlugSmart. Lucas has been with PlugSmart for 10 years, where he is currently the controls business leader. He's also worked in the engineering team. He's done outside sales, so has a large um, breadth of experience. Welcome to the podcast, Lucas. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. Yeah, happy to have you here. Where are you coming to us from today? I am in beautiful northern Michigan today, uh, working uh, at a uh, client uh, site, doing some sales. Very nice. And, um, Lucas, you are uh, uniquely kind of qualified to talk to us about this topic that we're really going to focus on today, which is um, – incentives and financing programs that you can leverage for smart building type projects. Can you tell us a little bit about PlugSmart, what you all do there, and then um, your role there over the past 10 years or so? Sure can. So uh, at PlugSmart, we identify and build projects that finance themselves with the energy savings they create. And uh, that's our elevator pitch. I like to add to that, saying that we are problem solvers, and we help building owners accomplish things they didn't know they could do, uh, solve problems that they had have been pulling their hair out over for a long time. And, and we really help the mechanical and energy systems in the in a building and help reposition a building for the next 20 to 25 years of its life. So we we often do a lot of stuff that no one sees, boilers, chillers, roofs, windows, doors, elevators, things like that. Um, finance them with building automation systems and LED lighting. But uh, we, we pride ourselves on both being energy efficiency geeks, and building geeks, helping, uh, helping improve the built environment. That's great. So it sounds like you all kind of come in and, and you, you ask, what are your problems? And uh, you do your best to address everything that you can. Um, have you, you guys have a lot, of, uh, a lot of different, it sounds like, um, departments over there in terms of, you know, doing access control, it sounds like, some elevators, um, as well as, you know, the mechanical side. Um, do you guys have a specific focus? Is, is part of the business more mechanical focused or more focused in any other particular area? So PlugSmart is built uh, around four different types of people. So we have uh, I, these I call them four kind of pillars of different people. We have energy engineers. Uh, they are primarily mechanical engineers, and they are the, the people that come in and both help redesign mechanical systems or do the engineering work to replace mechanical systems and do all the energy efficiency calcs to say how much each individual measure can can fix. And these are these are our problem solvers, right? This is the real creative part of our business in terms of putting together bundles of projects that uh, both finance themselves in energy savings but solve real problems in that building. 
Uh, you know, maybe it's a comfort or a humidity issue that has been there since the day it was built. Uh, you know, at 25 years, 30 years into its life, finally addressing that problem by adding a reheat coil in the right spot, you know, and, and controlling it the right way. Um, you know, so that's one group. We have business development people. Every problem, every project gets sold. Uh, we have business development professionals. Uh, most of them, myself excluded, are have a technical or engineering background. We we aren't just empty suits out uh, shaking hands. We're doing project or you're know, doing active work in that project, but. You know, every every project gets sold, and, and we need business development people. Then we have project managers. So we end up as the general contractor on the majority of the projects we do. Um, so we're not your general contractor to build your building or do your addition or do your office remodel, but if it's a mechanical system or if, if you need a, a number of different things, maybe your your roof, your elevator, your boiler, and your chiller, and your building automation system and lighting all replaced at one time, and that exceeds your capacity to internally project manage, and you, you, you need someone to help you do all that work in an orderly fashion, we're, we're a good partner to do that and be the project manager for that. We do not self-install roofs, elevators, uh, lighting, boilers, chillers, et cetera. Our model very similar to Amoresco, Noresco, Wildan, to some of the bigger, uh, I would call, non-equipment vendor or, or manufacturing energy services companies. We fall into that same category where we're, we often end up as a general contractor, buy out the major equipment, but then um, hire local labor to do the install. The one exclusion in the next pillar, in the fourth pillar, is our low voltage services teams. So we have both an access controls and security team, and we have a building automation uh, team. So we self-perform both the, uh, the engineering, the teching, and the installing of those uh, systems. So low voltage is something we do in-house. That's great. It's great to have all of those different services under one roof. Um, so I want to jump into our topic here today. Um, and to start off, I know that you're really familiar with the PACE program, and I was hoping you could give our audience a, a little introduction. Um, I think a lot of people are aware of the program exists. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, there's a lot of historical knowledge or even, you know, in-depth knowledge of, uh, of the PACE program. Would you mind giving us a little bit of background there and, and what that all entails? Sure. And so when I talk about PACE, I'm going to be talking about C PACE or commercial PACE. And as a reminder, PACE is, uh, stands for Property Assessed Clean Energy. Most of the PACE projects that get done in the country do not finance renewable energy, but they finance energy efficiency and building improvements. PACE is a financing mechanism that attaches itself to a property via a property tax assessment. And that mechanism allows for a couple advantages that solve some problems 
and enables um, more energy efficiency projects to be done or projects that otherwise wouldn't have gotten done to, to be accomplished. So I'll go through a couple of those advantages and they vary based on the customer and they vary based on you know, the individual financial situation of a, uh, of a buyer. PACE is not a magic beam, a silver bullet. It certainly doesn't work for every owner. It doesn't make sense for every owner, and it is not a perfect tool. But it is a dynamic tool, and it has some really interesting uh, features, and it's growing incredibly quickly right now, especially in the commercial property sector. PACE is not available in every state in the country. It is a state-by-state -state legislation that gets passed. It was built in California and has been spreading out across the country. Uh, it, you know, it was built and kind of pioneered in California in the, uh, in the early 2000s, so it's not that old of a mechanism. But it's modeled after a very old mechanism, which is uh, kind of the, the property tax based improvement district special which are often known as special improvement districts or TIC, TIFs, tax increment financing. It draws some similarities to those. So it is a a model that's well known and used. When you compare it to a SID or a special improvement district uh, that's often used in commercial districts or around malls to make infrastructure improvements, the difference between that and PACE is that PACE is assessed to a single parcel. So a single property owner can self-assess themselves uh, rather than the whole neighborhood having to get together and self-assess themselves. Um, so talking, so yeah, not available in every state. I believe it's about 38 states. The best place to get information on your program and see if your state is, is uh, PACE is a tool for you is PACE Nation. PACE Nation is a trade organization for PACE programs and PACE contractors. Uh, it, I believe it is pacenation.us. You can go there, go to the commercial PACE tab, and, uh, and there's a map. We'll give you updates on all the program statuses across the country. So what makes PACE special or different from other financing mechanisms is, uh, is a couple things. So one, the term. PACE financing is long-term fixed rates. So it can go out 25 years. Most deals that get done are between 20 and 25 years. Some can even go out to 30, but that's pretty rare. Um, so a long-term fixed-rate amortization is a really powerful thing for an energy project. Uh, when you can spread out that amortization, you can get a lot more done inside of an energy efficiency project. Fixed rate. So it's a fixed rate and a relatively competitive rate. Um, it is not the cheapest money in the world, but it is far from the most expensive uh, depending on your, the asset type and the customer type, uh, we see between five and a half and six, seven uh, percent interest rates 
for this and then fixed over the amortization. So often that's better and certainly uh, better for the term than what most owners could get, especially in the commercial property space. Now, some school districts, governments, they may say, you know, that's that's crazy. That's that's well above what I pay now, and they're right. So it is not the right tool for every uh, situation, but for commercial property owners and for not-for-profit uh, entities that own their own building, it is something that is uh, uh, a unique financial vehicle. What else? Um, so it gets assessed on your property taxes. So you pay it at the same time you pay your property taxes, and that assessment stays with the property. So if you sell that property, the responsibility for that assessment can be passed to the new owner. This is powerful for commercial property owners that have a often have a unknown or short time horizon. And when making a decision about investing in capital equipment, they're going to often do the lowest cost if they don't have a time horizon where they could realize the benefits of you know, investing in more energy efficient equipment. Now, if they can pay for it and then pass the payments on to the next owner, they now don't have that uh, same incentive problem. So it enables people that are considering selling their buildings to still make improvements, still buy uh, the more efficient equipment, and then pass those costs on to the, um, the new owners. Um, the next advantage is around the split incentive problem that commercial property owners often face. So often um, in a commercial property in a triple net lease, a commercial property owner may be responsible for the rooftop units and the lighting and every you know, all the mechanical and electrical equipment in the building, but the tenant pays the electric bill. So the owner uh, is fronting the money for the more efficient equipment, but then never seeing the benefit their tenants are. So in triple net leases, it is possible. It's not 100% guaranteed, and it's not. It's still an emerging area of the of the rental market, but it's possible to pass on tax assessments to your tenants uh, via a, the standard triple net lease. Now, I am not an accountant and I don't play one on TV and I am not a commercial property uh, leasing expert. So every individual situation needs to be assessed, but um, for, on its own merits, but it, it, it provides a vehicle where a commercial property owner could make a energy efficient investment and then share the burden of that additional investment with the person that's reaping the benefits, the tenants of those reduced energy bills. So that's called the split incentive problem and uh, it's plagued commercial property for a long time. Um, PACE is also 100% financeable are 100% financing, so it doesn't require a down payment from the owner. Uh, that is an advantage. 
Um, PACE financing is non-recourse debt. So its only recourse is the property that's assessed to. So that's also advantage for um, commercial property owners compared to if they were to go to get a bank loan, they're often going to have to pledge uh, other, uh, you know, make a personal guarantee on that loan uh, that would otherwise restrict them. And if everything went bad, you know, they're still on the hook for that loan. So they can borrow money using PACE, invest in that property, and then the, the property is the only collateral. So, yeah, those are the benefits of PACE and what make it unique. Um, the biggest thing from just the math perspective of, of making an energy efficiency project work is the amortization and the relatively low fixed rate. Those are the things that, what, that enable you to bundle in that roof, that boiler, that chiller, something with a long payback with new LED lighting, new building automation, and build a project that makes sense, that cash flows um, while paying for that, that PACE financing, that assessment cost. Well, thank you for uh, the, yeah. the explanation there. That was really helpful, Lucas. Um, so I will, uh, I'll put that Pace Nation website uh, attached to this podcast so our listeners can easily access that. Um, now, do you get the sense from your own personal experience or any other um, experience that you may have that property managers um, or building owners are aware of and taking advantage of Pace and other types of programs or What's your sense as to the awareness in the market? Uh, we're still right at the beginning of the, the awareness. We are still doing a lot of education. So uh, where it works, it works really well. And we, we have seen several large property developers slash owners, they now put pace in every capital stack analysis, every uh, – Every time they're looking at doing a deal with a property, they will include PACE or they will at least run it in their model. So once you get someone educated, they, they plug it in just like they would a uh, tax abatement, a historic tax preservation, a, you know, any of these other financing tools that they may use uh, to, to make a deal work. They plug PACE in right along to see if it lowers the, the capital cost of their project. At some you know, for building owners, well, for commercial building owners, this really comes down to the capital stack for their project and their, um, you know, what, what the net operating income of that building is or where it needs to be. Um, most commercial property owners aren't doing projects or energy projects to feel good. They do energy projects to fund things that they were going to have to do anyways. I'm completely okay with that. We, we do a lot of work just for that reason, and I feel great about the environmental benefits we squeeze out of projects like that. But we're solving built real problems for these commercial property owners uh, that you know, improve, the, you know, improve that building for the next 25 years. Um, you know, other building owners, like we're doing a project – uh, on a YMCA, right, they have a different time horizon. They're, they're, their outlook on life is completely different. They are using PACE because they need PACE money to fix a problem. This happens to be a roof problem, 
And Pace, you know, their only other option is just to keep living with their roof and patching it, you know, day by day, year by year, and, you know, wasting all the money when they need, a, you know, what they need is a new roof, but they only have, you know, the, the they only have the $15,000. They don't have the $150,000, right? And we see those types of problems all day, every day, and Pace solves a problem for, for those types of owners where it just gives them access to a piece of financing that they wouldn't be able to, to otherwise access. Um, and then there's situations all the way in between. But in the, in the commercial property space, the owners are looking at it from the capital stack side. The building managers and building operators are looking at it as a, finally a way to get this deferred maintenance that they've been going and asking for money for the last five years and keep getting told no to get those projects done because they're bringing a new tool to their owner um, to solve that problem. And, and we see that every day that, you know, a lot of, well, unfortunately, a lot of times uh, building managers or, or operators have just given up, you know, after, after five times of banging their head against the brick wall, you know, they're not really interested in, you know, getting slapped down again. So you got to kind of get over that skepticism and that, that uh, scar tissue and give them, you know, a, a tool that they can take their owner and, and, and tell them, hey, you know, this is, this is something where you don't have to come cash out of your pocket. And that's the, that's the hardest, hardest dollar to spend is that one right out of your pocket. Right. So as we're, as we're coming into budget season for a lot of commercial property management companies, I'm curious, what is the timeline if you want to get, if you want to get this project potentially financed through PACE? Um, you know, is this something you should have started six months ago or is this something that you still have time to, uh, to get in on? Um, unfortunately, PACE projects are not the quickest uh, thing to get done. So we normally say that it takes between three and nine months to have a, a PACE project baby. Um, and that that is inclusive of doing a energy efficiency assessment or audit. Those would normally take between two and six weeks, depending on how much data logging is required and, and how much time it takes to get utility bills, things like that. Then there's an underwriting stage, very similar to most commercial lending processes, so a couple weeks there. Then there's just the closing process. Uh, closing the loan where, you know, thing, some things only happen once a month or twice a month that you got to get on the right people's calendars and legal review has to happen, things like that. So it is in the shortest amount of time, we, we say about three months and then sometimes it just takes longer if, you know, Joe's on vacation and then, you know, things just don't line up. So it is, it is a, uh, it is a process. It's also, PACE is used, is most useful for larger projects. There are incremental costs for legal, for closing, for the audit and assessment. You, know, you don't do a PACE project to replace one air handler. Um, you don't do a PACE project for something that's 75000 bucks. You do a PACE project, generally we say the 
the real bottom edge case is three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars and most of the projects that we're doing are seven hundred and fifty k and up and you can do pace projects up to uh, you know they the financiers will tell us infinity it's based on your property value so uh, pace underwriting requirements are based on a percentage of your property's value because that's the collateral and uh, total indebtedness on that property so if you have a mortgage you uh, that that may limit how much you can borrow additionally on that property so you know multi-million dollar projects no big deal i think the biggest i've seen is somewhere in the 25 or 30 million dollar pace project on a large multi-use redevelopment project well i say that it triggers a, a, a note that pace can be used in two different ways we we say the traditional retrofit project which is kind of what we've been talking about so far existing building replacing individual systems in that building and then it can be used in the gut rehab new construction space as well so gut rehab would be taking a building down to its kind of uh, shell ripping everything out starting new um, or ground up new construction so pace has a place in in all different types of construction projects so uh, beyond PACE, you know, I know that there are a lot of incentive programs out there. I've seen things that are offered by individual states. Uh, I spend a lot of time out in California, who I think is probably on the, the cutting edge of all of that. Um, and then you also have some utility companies who are incentivizing energy efficiency projects. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, kind of what else is out there in a general sense and maybe where property managers, facility managers can go and find out what's available to them in their local area? Yeah. So let's talk um, going large to small. So federal PACs first, EPACT, pretty well-known um, tax credit for energy efficiency improvements. It has been in purgatory and in and out of purgatory for the last several years it keeps being renewed and then delayed and then projects that were done are grandfathered in so if you have a commercial property or a government building um, you can assign that credit to your installers or designers that is a uh, a, a mechanism for a, a tax credit for doing energy efficiency work. The problem is, is that it's so darn up and down, approved, not approved, renewed, not renewed, that it's hard to count on. But you should use it if it applies to you. Uh, tax credit never hurt anybody. And uh, um, I'm sorry, it's a deduction, excuse me. It's a federal tax deduction, not a credit. It's an important distinction. Um, so, you know, tax deduction never hurt anybody. So if, if you do a project, you should always check to find the status of EPACT at that time. Then going down to the state level, the best resource is a, is a resource called Desire, E-I-S-R-E, I believe. Uh, it is a, a web database of, uh, from the 
University of North Carolina, I believe. It is, um, or NC State maybe. It is a compilation state by state of uh, renewable portfolio standards, feed-in um, tariff rules for uh, solar and wind, and it lists the incentive programs for different utilities. So that's a great resource you should go check out. And um, at the state level, it will also highlight known grant programs. Um, before I forget, let's go back up to the federal level. One that I want to plug because it gets underutilized is the, uh, the U.S. Ag Department has a REAP, R-E-A-P, grant program for energy efficiency and um, renewable energy. It is a, you know, it has rolling submissions two times a year, I believe. You, it, you have to meet some qualifications, so not everybody does, and geog geographically, um, you have to meet some requirements. You have to be in, in quote unquote rural areas. Um, but a lot of the country falls into that area, uh, that designation. So that's another federal program. You should always check to see if there's a REAP um, grant available. REAP grants are best utilized for kind of unique and generation heavy projects. You see a lot of manufacturers go for like co-generation or kind of projects that you don't have to do that are holding up projects. Because with any federal grant, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. But anyway, it's out there. Check it out. Um, then on the state level, I would recommend everybody go to their state energy office if they have or figure out what where the department or office or whatever it is that handles energy-related issues for your state. Um, the DOE gives money to those offices to fund various different programs. This is how in the residential space like the HWAP and home weatherization, that's how these programs get funded and, and administered out. Um, but those, they also often have some industrial energy efficiency monies to do audits or maybe do studies or other things like that. And in the state of Ohio, which is where we are primarily doing business, they also do commercial building audits and, uh, and have a small grant program to actually help fund implementation. So we're really lucky that we have that program. But that money exists for, for pretty much every state if they go and apply for it and run a program. So go to your your state energy office, find out who that people is and try to make friends with them because sometimes that those monies or those programs aren't real well advertised. So you've got to dig. It's it's one of those dig to find versus uh being pushed at you. And then going to utility side. So utility rebate programs, people are generally pretty familiar with them for light bulb incentives and motors and VFDs and HVAC systems, things like that. Um, but uh, you're, you're, there are often also custom incentives to do building automation. There are uh, 
all sorts of unique programs that we're familiar with, ones in various different states and, and they're run by the, often run by the utility company and approved through the utility commission. So they all, you know, all have different nuances. There's retro commissioning programs, there's funds to do audits. There's, there's all sorts of different channels and programs out there, but you got to go dig through your utility company's website. Often they'll say, you know, there'll be a link. It says you, you choose first that you're a commercial customer and then save money or something like that is often the header on that website. And then it'll say program rebate program and just read through those, those headers to see the different programs because everybody knows about the lighting, but there's often some hidden gems in there to help do uh, some more advanced stuff. Well, that's all really helpful information, Lucas, and uh, we really appreciate it. As we're wrapping up here, um, I'm kind of curious, do you have any just general tips for our listeners on, you know, things to keep in mind when they're considering utilizing some of these programs? So on the incentive side, if you're a property manager or building operator, even an owner, um, we, we often say that nobody wakes up in the middle of the night uh, just dying to replace their uh, their light bulbs with an LED, right? Uh, <laughs> right. You wake up in the middle of the night sweating when your roof's leaking, your chiller is on the, the fritz or your boiler's about to fail or your elevator's not working. And you don't want to come out of pocket to, to pay for those things. You, you're better, that cost, that opportunity cost of the capital in your pocket to do the next project or work on the program for your, your not-for-profit or whatever is really high. Um, so using incentives to lower the project cost is always the first thing you should look at. And then using innovative financing tools to offset the need to come out of pocket can be a really, um, really powerful tool. It's not the right tool for everybody, but it, it when it works, it can really work. And we're seeing this market really explode. I think the CPACE marketplace will cross a billion dollars this year, um, and that's it's a it's in a hockey stick growth right now. So it's working for uh, it's working for a lot of people. Awesome, that's awesome information, Lucas. And uh, I'm sure this is really valuable to a lot of our listeners here. Uh, we appreciate you joining us for the podcast today and would love to have you back uh, at some point. But thank you again for taking the time to, to share all of this information with us. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Thanks for providing a channel to get the information out. Everybody, uh, we're, we're, pa- we're all passionate building and, and energy efficiency geeks, and uh, this helps educate. So thank you. Well, thank you again to Lucas Dixon from PlugSmart for joining us for the Building Technology Podcast. This is Scott Holstein with Computrol signing off. We hope to see you at our next episode.